Welcome to the Journey Church Podcast. It's our hope that the next few moments lead you closer to Jesus, encourage you to grow, and equip you to exist for those not yet here. If you enjoyed today's message, we'd love for you to subscribe to our podcast so that we can bring you fresh content every week as you continue in your walk with Christ. It's good to be with you. If you haven't been here before, uh, we preach through what we call sermon series, and we're in the middle of one that's ridiculously important for our church, but has nothing to do specifically uh, for our church. Um, It's about our church learning how to share the faith that we think is so important. I want to be careful to call it our faith, because that means it sounds like it's ours, Uh, but the gospel is for everyone. The gospel is the message, it's the good news for every person on this planet. And so it's not our faith, it's truth. We we have a message of truth that we want to share with this world. If it's not true, then nothing we're doing here makes any sense, and we should go home, sleep in, get our our couches ready, get our wings ready for the Eagles game at 1 o'clock. And so, and if you're wondering... If we're, not, if we're going to get out of here in time, yes, we will. You came to the right service to do that. And so, uh, but we are in the middle of this sermon series we call 2819. So I've been, uh, I said this first service, and I was like, man, that, that, that really separates people who haven't been here the last two weeks. Uh, but we're building it off of the Great Commission, the Great Commission. Matthew 28 is the Great Commission. Verse 19, he says, therefore... Remember, we talked about this the first week. Why are we here for? We're here to share the gospel. What's the gospel? Everyone sins. Sin separates us from God both now and forever. It's only through Christ that we can have our sins reconciled and we can have the promise of eternity. That's the gospel of Jesus Christ. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. So we're going to teach you now to go. And here's what my thought. My thought was, this is going to feel... If you don't understand how significant this message is, this is going to feel really uh, like a repetition, repetition to you. Like, oh man, he's talking about this again. Oh man, he's talking about this again. Oh man, he's talking about this again. But in my opinion, if you don't get this right, it's not even my opinion. Let me just, I've been doing this for 20 years. If your faith doesn't begin to do something in you and then through you, eventually your faith gets lame and you walk away. If, if this is all you do, you come to church, maybe a couple times a month, maybe you're here, right, you usually come Christmas and Easter, and now we give candy away on Halloween, so you're, a, you're here for three times a year, and so you're, you're here, right, and this is all you do. Your faith isn't doing something in your life and then leading you to such a deep transformation and so real that you're using what God is doing in your life and God's working outside of you. Everything we do here becomes lame. You know how I know that? Because I did that for years. I was a part of church my entire life. I came, I sat, I went to youth group, I went to youth convention, I went to Bible college, I, I, I worked at a church, the first, my first church. I did all this for about 25 years of my life, and it took me until I was 26 years old to realize Jesus is real. When I share him with other people, he can really change their life. And when I see Jesus change their life, it charges up my faith in a way that changes me as a person as well. The more God works through you, the the more change you'll see in your own life. And so this is so stinking important. And so it's going to feel like we're being repetition because it's so important. Let me give you an example. And so I'm a part of 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 a fourth grade football team, right? And so I'm not a real coach. I don't know anything about football. Uh, I just stand there, watch, right? And so, uh, but I help. And I got to be honest with you, 
I didn't understand the details of football when I started playing, when I started coaching. I don't know anything about football. I thought you say hike, everybody runs long, you throw the ball. And so I didn't realize how much repetition goes in. I didn't realize how much detail goes in. I didn't realize how much footwork goes in. Any, any football players here? How much footwork goes in. If I'm honest, if you don't understand the end game, which is the details matter, football's a game of inches, then football practice is really boring. Ever been to football practice? It's literally over and over and over. You run plays, you, you snap the ball, you block, air blocks. You do that. Like it's all this different stuff, and it's from fourth grade football, but it matters because if we win today, we go to the playoffs, so it matters, right? It's repetitious, over, and so look, I'm, I'm just, it's going to feel like, man, he's really harping on this. It's because it really matters. If we get this right, our, our world is impacted. If we get this wrong, we do all this for nothing. We can fill this room up with a bunch of consumer Christians, and we're not making heaven happy at all. And so I want to teach you how to share your faith. And so first week we did why. Why do we share our faith? Last week I told you what it is. What is sharing your faith? It's simple. Sharing something you love with someone you love in an understandable way. You're okay when somebody doesn't believe you right away. You don't do the heavy lifting. Your job is just to say, come and see. Next week, I want to talk to you about who you should be sharing your faith with. Uh, the last week, we'll talk about the hows of sharing your faith. And today, I want to talk to you about where you should be sharing your faith. Where to share your faith. Colossians 4. Watch what this says. Uh, I, want to, I, want, I want to focus on the first part. It says, be wise. Be wise in the way you act towards, everybody tell me what that word says. Outsiders. Outsiders. And here, here's why it's so important. Christians historically are more concerned about how they act in church than how they act outside of church. It's one of the dumbest things in the world. We can be as, when you go home to your family, like your real family, are you worried if you smell? Do you take your shoes off? And I mean, my kids don't, right? They'd be like, oh, my feet probably stink. Um, uh, I should probably clean up. I probably shouldn't lay in that blanket. I've been playing outside all day. Um, like, do, do, you have, do you have boundaries at your home? Anybody? My kids do not. You're lying, right? Like, no boundaries, no nothing. Just take whatever you want, eat whatever you want, wipe boogies wherever you want, right? You get outside of your house, you get on your best behavior, right? There's, there's times where I'm looking at my kids and I'm like, you guys are liars. This is not how you really act. Show them how you really act, right? And the reason is when they're at home, they're, they're different. And so this is a spiritual home. And so we should be able to be a little bit messed up in here. If you, if you came in today and you're like, thank God it's Halloween so I can put my happy mask on today, right? You, 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 you have the wrong experience with church. You're like, I better clean up my mouth. I'm about to walk into church. I, I better act right. I better, I better talk right. No, no, no. The Bible says you should be more concerned with how you act with outsiders than you should. We, we can be ourselves here. We, we can let, we can let our, our stinky, we can take our shoes off in the door. We can, we can lay in our spot. Like we, we can be ourselves here. This is our family. We all know. You, you know, I'm not perfect. You guys know that. And let me just, you're not perfect either. And everybody, we, we together? I know this is the nine o'clock service. This is like the church service, right? Next service, I'm going to say we're not perfect. They're going to amen. We're going to have revival. Somebody's going to be running around with the shofar, right? Eight o'clock service gets it. They're like the Christian. The 10 o'clock or nine o'clock service, very church. Like you, you can feel it in here. We're here and we're here at nine o'clock. It was the best time for us. Our kids got a good nap. They got a nap at 11, right? And so they're going to get their candy. This is best for me. And, and so I, I, listen, don't, don't say it's not true. We know that's true. This is always the most packed service that we have, right? And so, we, we are, and so we're going to, we come in here. We can be, we can be real in this place. Okay, can I get an amen there? Amen. Your neighbor, they don't got it all together. 
We could be some, somebody sitting beside you, a couple, you might not be able to talk and tell from their face, they were fighting on the way in here today. Right? Biggest fights always happen on the way to church. Just elbow your neighbor and say, it's okay. There's plenty of other, just look around, about 17 couples in here. They were fighting on the way in here. It's okay. We're, we're, allowed, we're allowed to be normal in here. But here's the thing. But when we go to the outside world, we want to evaluate how we're working in life. We can be normal, but we want to be normal in progress. You want people to be able to see us, our lives and be like, man, something is happening in your life. Something is, is changing. And so you're looking around because of what you share, because of what you carry, because of what the Lord has done, because of how important the message is, because everyone needs this message. We're going to be wise in the way we act towards outsiders. The next part says, make the most of every, what's that word say? Can you bring it up for me real fast? <laughs> We're out of sync today. Make the most of every what? There you go. Be wise in the way you act toward it. So here's what I want to teach you. I want to teach you what I call opportunal living today. This, this, this mentality where you begin to see as a Christian, everywhere I go, it's not a hindrance. So let me just, your family you have. They're not so messed up, so annoying, right? You don't really want to see them. Like you're, you don't really even want them to come. Let's just be honest. You don't want them to come to this church. They already ruin every other holiday for you, right? You're like, I don't, I don't, I, I, they can know you, Jesus, but they need to know you down the road. Like I don't want them. I don't need this drama, right? Like what if you started seeing that relationship as an opportunity instead of annoyance? What, what if? What if you, when you go to work, you see the people you work with as an opportunity, not people that are getting on your nerves or people that are so ungodly or people that are so broken. Let me, what if you're a teacher and you're in a public school and you see the position that you have as an opportunity, not a hindrance? What if you work at a restaurant, you, you try an opportunity? What if you, when you go out to eat, there's opportunity? What if when you coach or when your kids are on a team, there's opportunity? You, you make the most of every opportunity. Why? By acting wise. Some of you need to write that down, memorize that word, acting wise. You act in a fool all the time. You're impatient. You're angry. You don't know why nobody wants to come to church with you because they're afraid of you. Make the most of every opportunity by being wise in the way, by thinking about the way you act towards outsiders, making the most of opportunity. Thomas Edison said this, and I think it's so true, even in this situation. He says, opportunity is missed by most people because it's dressed in overalls and looks like, looks like work. And I know that, that has a physical implication, like a lot of people just don't want to work. I know that, you know that. There's a spiritual side to it. We want the opportunities, we want God to use our life, but a lot, a lot of times it just looks like normal everyday life. It just looks like in, in your neighborhood, just normal everyday life. When, when you're raking leaves, when you're going out to dinner, when you're pumping your gas at Wava, when you're dropping your kid off to school, when you're standing on the sideline, watching your kid play sports. It's just a normal everyday life in how you drive and how you merge and how you don't flip somebody off. In normal everyday life and how you act when you're leaving the parking lot after church. We have cameras out there. We see you. <laughs> and even that, your, your patience in normal, we don't, but we, I wish we did, in normal everyday <laughs> life. I use that all the time. My kids, I have cameras, right? How many cameras do you have? Enough. <laughs> in, in normal everyday life, and here's why. When you begin to see this as opportunity, 
it'll change everything. Opportunity needs to be recognized. Opportunity needs to be recognized. Years ago, I had an opportunity that didn't feel like an opportunity right away. So I got called uh, by, by a family in our church. Their father was almost dying. He was in hospice care in their house, um, laying in their living room in a hospital bed, getting ready to pass on to the next life. And uh, they said, hey, can you come be with, be with us as we go through this? Now, I'm not good at this. I'm just going, like, there's things I'm, I'm good with with being a pastor, you know, situations where it takes sensitivity and uh, compassion and empathy and understanding and tears and not being awkward. Don't call me. Because it's just, I'm like, I was literally driving over. I'm like, God, I don't, I don't know what to do. I know, I know your promises of life and death. I know he's a believer, but I'm not good at this. I don't know how I'm going to handle this. I don't, this is the first time I ever saw somebody pass from, like, from this life to the next. I don't, like, I don't, know, how to do, I don't know what that's going to be like. like I don't, I, I don't, I'm like having this conversation. I'm stuttering in my prayers. And like, so I get there, and I walk in, and this, this guy's in his bed, and he's in his house that he, he owns, and he's getting ready to die, and his family is with him. His, his three boys are there. Um, and so it already begins to do something in my spirit because I have three boys. At one point, uh, he's, 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 he's dying, but he's not dead yet. This body starts to shut down. This body does these weird clicking things, and, you know, he starts to die. But it's taken some time, and so we, we, we had lunch. Uh, I went and picked up lunch for everybody, and we were downstairs in the basement. As this, this father is upstairs in his basement, and we're eating a meal, and we're reminiscing and talking about this, this man. His sons are sharing stories and talking about the man he is. He's a believer. We know he's going to be with Jesus, and he's older, and so he's lived a long life. And, and uh, it, it, it felt first like a really awkward moment, but it turned into this crazy opportunity to see life the way I really should see life. It's just, it just, like, I, I've never forgot it. I never, this is how life ends. How are you handling life? What decisions are you making? If you have three sons, what are they going to be saying about you if you're laying in your, in your room right there? What are they going to be eating? Like, are they going to eat something that smells bad, that annoys you on your deathbed? Like, what, like, that, seriously, I'm like, this is, all these things are going on. I'm like, this is so weird. Like, does he, does he know we're all here? And, you know, does he, is he, like, here enough to know his family's here? And, like, all this stuff is going on. And it just was this immense, it was years ago, but it's still still sticks with me as this awareness, this opportunity to constantly try to, because I don't evaluate the life that you're living, because that's how it ends. If you're surrounded by, so opportunity, when you, when you become aware of it, when you recognize it, it changes your life. So what I want to do is I want to create in you an understanding that opportunity to share your faith is all around you. You don't have to go into Africa or, or, or South America to share your faith. You don't have to have a special class. We don't have to gather a bunch of Christians and go in a church van. You know, I'm talking about 15 passenger church van and roll up into the worst part of Philadelphia and get out and share the gospel. We, we don't have to put t-shirts on that say Journey Church. And, you know, on the back it says, like, in case of rapture, you can have my shirt or something like that. Like, we don't. We don't have to get all, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, get all weird and, like, get, get a committee. Okay, how are we going to share our faith? Like, each one of us in here, if we would recognize the, the, the opportunities in front of us, that they happen in our, in our lives so easily, that if we would all take this, legitimately, our city, our country, our world, it would be impacted forever. If we could just get this part of the gospel. So what I want to do is I want to take you into a New Testament story in the book of John, Chapter 5, John chapter 5. The title of my message is just making the most. Make, make the most. And here's the two questions I want to ask you. I, wanna, I want you to start to digest. Here, here they are. As you're living on this world, 
as you're living with what we call opportunal living, here's the two things. Number one, when I meet somebody, does this person know Jesus without a shadow of a doubt? And let me just, let me just tell you something. I'm not asking you if they believe in God. You know, you know what I'm talking about? Like, in, like in, a celebrity wins an award and they'll be like, I just want to thank God. You're like, which one? Which God are we thanking here? You're like, oh, they're, 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 they're a Christian. They said God. Every religion has God. You ever notice how little of, of, of people that actually stand on a podium say, I want to give Jesus Christ, my Lord and Savior, all the glory, all the honor. As soon as you're saying the word Jesus, they're like, beep. How many of, of the people that I come into contact with, if, if I was to really evaluate, they have a growing, um, fulfilling, mission-filled relationship with Jesus Christ. You know that they've understood they're a sinner, right? That they need salvation. That salvation comes by no other name but the name of Christ. And they've bowed their knee. They've confessed with their mouth. And they believed in their heart that Jesus is Lord. Well, they've done like a little bit of that. No, have they done the whole thing? Are they all in? Are they fully following Jesus Christ? Okay, that's the first question. Now, how many of you, when I ask that, you're like, ah, shoot. Because that puts the pressure on because you're looking around. You're like, the dude on, you're like the dude on the sixth sense. Remember when he finally said, I see what? I see dead people. Like all around me, I start to see people like, oh, I don't know if their heart stops beating right now, if they truly have a relationship with Jesus Christ. It just, their life doesn't line up. They don't have the fruit of the spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, and self-control. And even though they know they don't have that, they don't care that they have that. Like, I might need to share the real gospel with them. And here's the next question. Am I possibly the person that, that God put into this person's life to actually share the gospel with them? To tell them about the truth of what Jesus did for them. And so here's my, here, when I begin to ask myself that, I want to give you a couple thoughts of how you then begin to take, take advantage of your opportunities, making the most. And I want to show you a story in John chapter 5. Here's what it says. Sometime later, Jesus went up to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish festivals. And so Jesus is a normal man, and he's going to a, to a party. He's going back to Jerusalem. It's Halloween weekend. It's not, right? But it, it, it's, it's, a, it's a festival. His people celebrate it. He is minding his own business. He's in his normal everyday life. Not everything Jesus did. He didn't walk on water all the time. He didn't heal people all the time. He, he, he didn't make loaves and, and bread. He didn't feed 5,000 people with one lunch. Jesus did normal things too. So one of the normal things he did is he said, hey, let's go to the party. Let's go to this festival. Let's go back and let's, let's, let, let, let's, let's hang out. Let's, let's go to this. And so just like us, normal everyday life. I'm trying to teach you this. Your, your normal life, not your, not your church life, the hour you're here, not your mission trip life, not, 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 the, not your Bible study time, not, 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 the, not, not those times. Those times are great. I'm talking about your normal everyday life. Jesus is going to a festival. The Bible says in Jerusalem near the Sheep Gate is a pool, which in Aramaic is called Bethesda, and is surrounded by five covered columns. Here a great number of disabled people used to lie, the blind, the lame, and the paralyzed. And so uh, at Jerusalem is a place where people would take people that had handicaps, the blind, the lame, uh, the paralyzed, the people who couldn't move, and they would set them by this pool all day long. And here's what they thought. They thought uh, occasionally the water would bubble. Now, anybody ever been in a public pool? The water bubbles and it's not a jacuzzi. I mean, you get out, right? You tracking with me? But in this day and age, 
when the water bubbled, they thought as people that an angel was stirring the waters and the first person to get into the waters would get healed. Now, they had never seen anybody get healed, but that's what they thought. Most, most, the, most theologians, most people who do uh, archaeology, uh, you know, like dig up old stuff, they, they realize there was a, a pool up top and a pool below and there was a pipe that went in between and so gravity would occasionally make, make bubbles in the bottom pool. It was nothing uh, spiritual, a big deal. Nobody was doing passing gas. It was just, it was just gravity, right? And so he, here's Jesus. He walks by. He knows this place. He's, he's been to Jerusalem before. He knows people are going to be there. He walks by and the Bible says there's somebody there who had been um, paralyzed or couldn't walk for 38 years. You think you got problems. When Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he'd been in this condition for a long time, he asked him, do you want to get well? Sir, he replied, I have no one to help me get into the pool when the water is stirred. While I'm trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. So you can just see the picture. Can't walk. There's people that are blind, but they just say, yo, Bill, just walk three steps. You'll be in the pool, right? Right? Every time the water starts to stir, everybody's running after it. He can't walk. He can't move. Tries to get up. Somebody always gets in before him. So he's explaining the situation to Jesus. He says, when I try to get in, somebody gets ahead of me. Jesus says, get up, pick up your mat, and walk. At once the man was cured. He picked up his mat, and he walked. The day on which this took place was the Sabbath. So the Jewish leaders said to him, uh, who had been healed, it's the Sabbath. The law forbids you to carry your mat. But he replied, the man who made me well said to pick it up and walk. So they asked him, who is this fellow that told you to pick up this mat and walk? To which the man replies, I have no idea. You ever been in church? You're like, I don't understand everything. You don't got to understand everything to listen to Jesus. You don't got to understand everything to give your life to Jesus. You don't have to understand everything. And Jesus does the miraculous in this guy's life, which I want to remind you, who does the heavy lifting? Remember we talked about it last week? Come on, second, second, come on you got to preach to me. Who does, this? who does it? It's not you. It's Jesus, right? But I want to talk to you about the practical implications of what Jesus does here in his normal, everyday life. He does the miracle. Jesus does the heavy lifting. But I want to talk about the practical implications. Let me just give you a few thoughts. How to make the most of your everyday, normal life. First, number one, is you got to be in touch. you got to be in touch. How many of you would agree we live in a world that oftentimes is out of touch with their own reality? Let me just give you an example. Anybody in this place, pick your nose when you're driving. Come on now. Nobody? Every car I have, the value of the car on Kelly Blue Book is dwindled because the amount of boogies that are under my seat. I don't even put the window down a lot of times. I don't want to fly back on me. Anybody else want to admit that? I told you. Listen, all of us do. Anybody ever pick your nose, think to yourself, I'm in a glass box right now. Okay, we don't have nose pickers here. Okay, how many of you, how, let's just, how many of you turn your radio up and you sing and dance in your car? Everybody can see you. And you're like, I don't care. I'm, I'm worshiping Jesus. Well, nobody knows you look crazy, right? And so we, we, we are very... We have a, if we took tests, we would be very low on our way. Like, we'll say something about somebody, right? Look, look at that person. Meanwhile, we have the same thing, same thing wrong with us. We don't even recognize it. We have a very low self 
uh, awareness in our culture. And so I think that's true even in our walk with Christ. Like I think we are very out of touch with our surroundings. We have, we have closed spiritual eyes. We, 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 we don't spend a lot of attention thinking about why we're in that place. Like the Bible says in the book of Acts that God puts people in the exact places at the exact times in, in, in this story that there's people in this room. You're in the spot you're supposed to be in, but you can't see it because you're not fully aware. Everybody's going to the festival. Everybody's going to worship Jesus. Everybody is going to sell or celebrate God. Everybody's going to celebrate their religion. Meanwhile, in the same city where people are going to have church, there's this pool where these, all of these poor people, they're, they're, they're suffering, they're alone, they're, they're, they're by themselves. And you can walk right by that pool and get right to your festival. But Jesus was different. Even though he was busy going to a festival, he was never so out of touch with reality that he missed the opportunity to change somebody's life. I think a lot of us struggle with being aware. And what happens is there's a moment in your life where your awareness changes you. You ever, you ever notice that? Like uh, anybody hates snakes in here? If you love snakes, you love Satan. Just read the Bible. Like legitimately, I'm like, people love snakes. I'm like, that's the devil right there, right? And so, but people, like, I hate snakes. Like, I, I, I will kill a snake. I don't keep a snake. I don't, I don't throw it. I'll either kill it or throw it in my neighbor's yard. And so, like, and he likes them. He told me. And so, uh, I hate snakes. And so, uh, this year, I was getting my basement refinished. Refinished. And so, my house is built in the 60s. My basement has been a basement for a long time. And so when you, when you go down and you make a basement that has never been livable, livable, it's like you're taking it back from nature. You know what I'm talking about? And so still, like, I'll be down there and there'll just be like, what are those things called with a thousand legs on them? And they just super fast. And like, they're everywhere. And it's like they're rebelling against me. I spray them. Like, you turn the lights on, they scatter. It's like we're in a full-on war in my house. And I'm going to win because I pay the mortgage. And so like, I'm there. And so and so I, like, I, I got this basement. I had all these plans for this basement. I'm going to watch the Eagles. I got a cow. It's going to be amazing, right? Space for me to hide from my kids. Like there's this space. And so we're doing this basement. I have Travis come over to my house, and, and Travis is refinishing my basement. It's, it takes a couple months, right? It's a process. You got to waterproof it. You got you to insulate, and you got to do all that stuff. And so it's almost at the end of the, of the project. We started in the winter, and it's almost at the end. It's, 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 days are getting nicer. And my basement has a, is a walkout. In the back, it has a a door. And so uh, as it got nicer, the doors started staying open. And uh, the basement was very close to being done. Floor was done. Ceilings were painted. Um, wasn't all the way done yet, but I asked Travis, I said, hey, can I bring my furniture in and put my TV up? Um, I know I'm kind of jumping the gun, but I'm super excited. He said, yeah, sure. And so he still had some trim to put down and stuff like that, but I brought my furniture in, and I got it all set up, and I laid on, and I hung my TV, and I just dreamed about all the time I was going to waste down there. And so and, uh, I left for work, and uh, it was the next week, and he started working again. And uh, he, said, he sent me a text. He said, he said, I hesitate to tell you this. Anytime somebody says that, you don't want to tell you. He said, but I found a snake in your basement today. It was, on, it was like on my brand new carpet, like slithered up like Satan would be under my place of comfort, my couch, right? And, and uh, he said, I got it out, right? But as soon as he said there was a snake in my basement, do you, do you know what has happened to me over the last four or five months? 
my awareness is, is very high right now. So like I'll go downstairs and I'll before, I didn't finish my, my ceiling because I thought it would be cool. I just sprayed it black. Right? And so now I think to myself, what if? Remember when we snakes on a plane? What if that thing had a and slithered up, right, and laid eggs up between? And, and what if I'm watching TV and that thing just falls on me, right? And so my, aware, I don't, my awareness is like it's, it's, it's up all the time. Like literally every day I walk down, I'll still I'll lift the cushions up. I'll check the pillows. I shake out blankets. I, I look under the rug. I go to the other side that's unfinished. I flashlight around, right? And then I lay down. And it, it happens. I can, I can go upstairs. I do the same thing when I come back down. And it, my awareness is different now. It's changed my comfort level downstairs, it's impacted me. And so I guess what I'm trying to say is when you allow the spirit of God to change your awareness, when you get more in, in touch with, with, with your world, it, it, it'll change you. Like Jesus is aware of somebody's pain in the midst of his normal life. He doesn't have to go somewhere, somewhere else. He, he's not saying, hey, we're going to start this crusade and then everybody come and bring your needs to me and bring your pain to me and I'm going to do, do this crusade and I'm going to feed people. He's done, he does that from time to time. But sometimes in the middle of his normal everything, everyday life he says there's somebody with a need right there there's somebody that has a need there's and so he's very in touch with his normal everyday life I love what he says too it says that he he comes and he goes to the pool of Bethesda which means that he goes to this place the word Bethesda means in Aramaic it means house of mercy that he he he, he he's living in mercy in the middle of his normal everyday Life, we call this outside eyes here. Outside eyes. I have outside eyes at my work. I have outside eyes in my family. I have outside eyes at the places that I eat. I have outside eyes at my school. I have outside eyes in the teams that I'm a part of. I have outside eyes. I see people the way that Jesus wants me to see them. I'm I'm aware. Number two is this. This one's important. Um, Not only are you going to be in touch with reality, but I want you to learn to be intentional. Be, be intentional. Jesus is super intentional right here. I don't know if you notice this or not. Um, but the Bible says uh, that John tells us that the guy's been, been, been sick. He can't walk. Do you, you see how many years it says? Anybody go back to that? How many? Okay. You think he was wearing a shirt? I've been messed up for 38 years. And he has his resume there. There's no social media at that point. He doesn't have an Instagram. He doesn't have a GoFundMe. He's all by himself, sitting at a pool with nobody to help him in. And here comes Jesus. And by the way, John is documenting this at some point after Jesus has this interaction. And he remembers from the interaction of Jesus that Jesus found out that this man was sitting there for how many years? So here's the problem with so many Christians. You want to share your faith, but you want to share it in a way where the person you're sharing with is a project. I'm going to give you about three minutes of my time here to tell you about the wages of sin. It's death. You do what you want to do with it. I have no relationship with you. I've never talked to you before. I've never met you. I don't even talk to my neighbors. I pull right into my garage door, put the garage door up and close it, right? Now I can't even park in my garage. I got so much crap in there. Never mind, right? And so, but I sneak around to the back. Don't have time for them. I'm busy. We have a family. I go into work, I go and I put my headphones on, listen to worship music all day. I can't talk to anybody in the cubicle. I'm praising Jesus. Jesus is going, really? I know who I am. Do you know what you're supposed to be doing? 
I go to school and I just be by myself at school. I just, I just hang out with my own people. I don't talk to anybody at my school. I go to my sports teams. I put my kids in Christian sports leagues. I stay away from everybody, right? I just stay away from, from everyone. And then when I get the chance to do it, okay, we'll start this ministry. We'll go share our faith. Everybody will be a project. Jesus didn't walk by and say, hey, I'm really busy right now. I'm getting to this festival. Poof, healed. Jesus is walking with his 12 disciples. He's only got three years on this earth. He knows he's going to die on the cross. You can just see him. He sees this guy. You think he stopped and he was like, yo, buddy, what's wrong with you? How do you think Jesus approached him? How do you think he said, well, the guy can't walk, right? Can't get to the pool. What do you think Jesus did? You think Jesus, maybe, I don't know. Let me see if I can do this. I think he sat like this and he was just like, they're like, hey, man, we're going to miss the, the pierogies at the festival. And Jesus is like, bro, this is why I'm here. He said, hey, man, what's, what's going on? Oh, man, I've been, I had this family, and they just, you know, life started so good. We don't know if he was paralyzed in birth. Didn't say, but life started so good. And then I got the sickness when I was tw- 12 years old. And, man, they, uh, this really bad thing happened to me, and my family's kind of given up on me, and my friends are kind of gone. And, and he's like, I've been here for 38. He's like, Jesus is like, how many years? 38 years? John's like, documenting, oh, 38 years. They're going to need to know that someday. Is Jesus in a hurry? He's, he's just chilling. Like he, he, he's just in, he's involved in this guy's story. He's, he's listening. He's intentional. You know how many of us are not intentional with our life? When you get intentional, stuff changes. Like, let me just, some of you don't have a, a wife right now or a husband. Get a little intentionality. It'll work. Let me tell you, when, when I found out at, at, at college where Leah ran, guess what I started doing? I went and got some Sakanis and I started running, right? I didn't buy those. I'm just joking. But, I, but she ran, I ran. I was running, right? Like, I, when I found out when Leah checked her mail, at what time she checked her mail, guess what time I started checking my mail? That exact same time, she went to chapel. Guess where I started going? I never went to chapel. But Leah went to chapel. Where would I go? Chapel. Leah sat over here. Where would I sit? Somewhere where she could see me being godly, right? And so <laughs> everything about us meeting was intentional. Like, it wasn't weird in a stalker way, but it was right there at the line, right? Like, right there. <laughs> I'm intentional, right? I'm telling you, be intentional in, in, in your life. That's how Jesus was. And you notice what he said. It said he learned, which means he listened. You ever notice what the Bible says in the book of James? It's such a good verse that noble Christians follow. Like it's one of those verses where like, yeah, it's great. I'm never going to do that. Right? James tells us, watch what he says. He says, my brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to, what does it say? Listen, and then what does it say? Slow to what? Me and you are not slow to speak. Even when we invite somebody to church, we're like, hey, how you doing? What's your name? My name's John. Hey, there's a John in the Bible. You should come to church with me. We, we are such in a hurry. We don't even want, want to listen. And the problem is, once you actually start listening to people, uh, you'll actually start caring about them. And once you start caring about them, you'll start actually treating them the way that Jesus feels about them. 
I remember years ago, so I'm a grass guy. We've already established this in church. And I, I've been obsessed with, with my yard since I was a kid. Like, I was 23 years old. I bought my first house. I was on the corner lot. I lived on Gray Fox Drive uh, in Edmond, Oklahoma. And uh, my yard was on the corner. And so my backyard backed up to the side of my neighbor's, my neighbor's front yard. And I, right, the first thing I did, and I didn't have any money. Right? We had, I remember I'll tell, we had $600 a month of spending money when we first got married. For $150 a week. Like, I laugh at that now. My kids will spend $150 on lunch in a week, right? And so, but like that, like, and so we had no money, but I was like, hey, we need to make money in our budget so we can get our yard sprayed. And so we got our yard sprayed. It started looking so good. Made money in the budget. Looked so good. And uh, I was always irked because right behind my yard was this lady's yard who did not take care of her yard. Her weeds would grow into my yard. They would, she, she didn't have a nice fence. She had a chain link fence. The weeds would be growing up in the fence. And I legitimately would always complain about my neighbor. I would go and I'm spending good money. She's ruining my yard. I'm trying to get yard of the neighborhood here. And she's ruining it. And I was so mad for like two years. I would just complain about this lady, complain about this lady. Until one day, one day, um, I uh, met my neighbor across the street from me. I'd never seen her before. Comes walking up, he sees my yard. He's like, hey man, your yard looks really good. I've, you know, I've been living here for this many years and my yard look, your yard looks really good. And I was like, hey, it's weird. I never, I never met you before. And he was like, yeah. He was like, yeah, I've been away for a couple years. And I'm like, oh. And at this point, by the way, I'm in his house. He's showing me all these renovations he's doing and we're kind of hitting it off. And he's like, yeah, I've been away for a couple years. And I'm like, oh, you know, military? He's like, no, prison. <laughs> he got wet concrete in there. I've seen too many movies, right? I'm like, let's just go back to the front yard, right? True story. And so uh, I'm 23 at this point. I'm from Boyertown, so I'm like, well, we got to get out to the front yard. So we go out to the front yard, and we're talking some more, and we're hitting it off. And I'm like, yo, I was like, you know, it, wouldn't it be so awesome if our neighbor right here would keep up her house or, you know, like we, like our house, like they would keep up their house, like our house and your house, and we're keeping it up, and they're lowering the value of our property, and all, you know how you do it, and it's all about you and your value of your property. And I said, wouldn't it be awesome if she would mow her yard? And he said, oh, you don't know? You don't know her? And I was like, no, nah, I never talked to her. I just talk about her. And so um, he was like, this is a true story. He was like, oh, I've been here for, for years. Um, she was married a while back, and her husband left her. And he was like, and I, my wife wrote me a letter in prison and told me last year she found out she has stage four cancer. You ever have one of those moments when you feel like an absolute jerk? The reason is I never listened. I was so out of touch with reality. I mean, think about it. I was mad because my grass was being impacted by hers. And I remember the spirit said, just listen, I know your wife didn't let you get a self-propelled mower. That's another part of our counseling we're going to have to go through. And I know how much work it is for you to mow your little patch. This is about how big my yard was. But why don't you just keep pushing right over that imaginary line you complained about? And why don't you just start mowing her yard and not say anything again? It's amazing what happens when you start to listen. I wonder if that coworker would be so annoying if you would find out how their life has really been. I wonder if your brother or your sister would be so annoying if you actually heard about the experiences that they had to the point where you stopped being in competition with them. Or maybe your parents. I wonder about those kids in your class that are so awful, you know what I'm talking about? I wonder if you actually would hear, like Jesus hears, and be intentional in their life. I wonder what would happen in our lives if we actually were, were slow to speak and quick to listen. 
slow to speak, quick. To, you got to be intentional. You got to be in touch. Let me just give you one more. This one's, this one's really important, and it's so foreign to church people that it's set, right? Ready? Number, number three, you got to be incredibly kind. Now, I've tried to Google synonyms. I started uh, with I, that represented kind, and not even chat GPT could get it. So I had to add the word incredibly kind in front of it. You got to be incredibly kind. I want, you, I want you to see this. I want you to see this. So Jesus is there. He sits with the guy. The guy doesn't recognize who Jesus is. He doesn't know. And he says, do you want to get well? And instead of saying, yes, I want to get well, Jesus is here. What does he say? Yeah, but I can't get in the water. Now, here's, here's what most Christians would do in that moment. <laughs> you believe that? You idiot. You got the truth of God sitting right in front of you, and you are still wanting me to help you get in that, that stupid pool? I mean, this is what some people do. You look at people like, you're so stupid. So dumb. You believe that? You're so dumb. I'm watching this. I started watching this, this, uh, this documentary on uh, Netflix. It's about, it's about how the earth got here, right? Outside of God and made by Steven Spielberg, um, narrated by, I don't know, some actor. And so, uh, and it's just billions and billions and billions of years. And here's where this came and here's where that came and here's where that came. And I found myself frustrated thinking this is the dumbest thing I've ever seen, Right? And I felt myself being like, you, you believe this? Like, this is incredibly weird. Like, they're making up animals. They, have no, they don't have proof of these animals. They're just making them up as we go here and telling you, here's what happened. Here's this and here's that. This is incredibly stupid. Why not instead believe in a creator? Because they say even in the show, hey, this can't all be here from nothing. So here's how it got here, an asteroid. I'm like, that's the best you can do. And in my heart, I'm like, that is so stupid. Could you imagine walking around and saying that to people, though? You believe you came from a monkey? That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. And so Jesus is there, and he's just like, hey, man, I know what you believe. I know, but you, do you want to get well? And the guy, he doesn't even give the guy a chance to say, like, I mean, he's just like, pick up your mat and walk. It's, not, it's, not, it's super insensitive of Jesus. He doesn't even give him time. He's just like, pick up your mat and walk. The 30, dude can't walk 30 years. Hey, just walk. Dude gets up and walk, like his life has changed forever. We don't know what happens in, but we know what Jesus did in his life in that moment. He dramatically changed his life. And I, all I see in this moment is an incredibly kind God. Now, I got to tell you something about, about kindness. C kindness has the ability to completely change somebody's life forever. The kindness of God. In fact, the Bible says it's God's kindness that leads to people towards repentance. The Bible talks about how kindness can soften hearts. Kindness can so soften lives. Kindness, incredibly, incredibly kind. So here, here's, here's, my, here's my question. Um, is that said about you? She, she is, man, she is <laughs> so patient. Like so, so giving. Like so, so kind. Like, like you... That person gives even when they don't get any credit for giving. Like, think about, think about that, that being said about you. They're, they're so, so giving. They're, 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 they're so kind. They're, they're, they're so patient. Like, I don't remember the last time somebody said about me, oh, my gosh, that's Steve. He is so patient. But, but if you want to live with normal everyday life, man, he's incredibly, 
That's an incredibly kind neighbor. That's an incredibly kind coworker. That's an incredibly kind brother or sister. I'm incredibly kind. I'm, I'm super intentional with my life, and I'm in touch. Let, let me just, man, can I just say this to you? Can I'm going to say it to the next service. They'll love it. You got to pull your, your head out of your spiritual rear just for a week. Just do it. Some of you are like, God, would you just change my work? Just change my work. God, would you change my school? God, would you change my, th-? and God's saying, I, 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 I'm working on it, but I got to get you moving because I changed you. That's why, that's why you're there. Like, that's, that's why you're surrounded. You know how many times I meet somebody, they're like, I'm just praying that God will release me from this prison at this place, this work that I'm working, this, 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 I'm just suffering, and I'm just, I'm like, <laughs> are you serious? You want to talk about suffering? Paul was in prison, right, for nothing but preaching the gospel. You had a work that pays you $100,000 a year and gives you health insurance and a 401k. You are not suffering. You need to get resituated in your eyesight, right, in your spiritual con- concept of this is why I'm here on, on, on this earth. God, God, God wants to do something at that place, but it starts with you. It's like Esther. When Esther needed to be reminded by Mordecai, you're there for such a time as this. Opportunity has to be recognized. So I, want you, I want you to think about, think about your neighbors. What's the, who's the most annoying neighbor you have? Don't say it out loud. They live like across the street, three doors down, right? And you see, you see them. I got, I got some in my neighborhood. I'm not going to say who they are. But you drive by and you complain. When's the last time you went and knocked on the door and said, hey, can I help you do anything? I don't know if you, what you need. I'm here. My, my, we have, I have three able-bodied boys. We, they're wrecking everything in my house. Is there something they can do at your house? Like I want you to think about your coworker. Some of you got a coworker, and you have legitimately forgotten what God has done in your life, and you have been complaining about them. And I want you to remember how good God's been in your life, and maybe God wants to be good in their life as well, and that's why you're there. There's a teacher in this place that started thinking about teachers. Oh, your, your, your life is hard. Your, your job is hard. I, I get it all. You got to deal with parents. I don't even know how you deal with people's parents. You coach. You teach. You do anything where you have to deal with people parenting today. I pray for you all the time. Can I get an amen? Some of you were talking about your parent. I'm just letting you know. And so you're like, I hope they're talking, right? And so I, wanna, I just want to encourage you. Some of you in this room, and you're very disheartened in, in your job, and you're praying that God would release you, and you're praying that God would give you a new direction, and you're praying that God would make it easier. And I, I, want, I just want you to know you've been put there for a reason. And God has not forgotten you, and God has not, oh, man, he's trying to make your life hard. No, no. Um, the hottest fire is always closest to the gates of hell. And I, I don't know about you, but I want to be so close to the gates of hell that I smell like smoke. I, I, I want to I I be doing something that means something for the kingdom of God. At the end of my life, I want my life, I hope you do too, I want my life to matter. I want there to be people's lives who have been impacted, not just because I yell on a stage 30 minutes every, every week, you know, couple. I want it to be because they live by me, because they were coached by me, because our kids were friends, uh, because I, of where I walked, where I bought groceries, where I bought coffee, where, 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 whatever I did, I want, I, want, I want my life to have impact in the everyday normal. But you can't have that if you're not intentional, if you're not in touch, if you're not incredibly kind. We got to get this. Feels like I'm just punching over and over again. Like how many more times? I'm just gonna keep. I'm just gonna keep hitting this till we get. It. We just got a couple more weeks. But could you imagine if we get this? 
if we, if we actually, truly, the Spirit of God does something in our church to the point where he shakes this body of believers and, and, and gets us focused, and all of a sudden we're going back into this world, I, I can't even tell you. I, I can see it. I can see what God wants to do, and it's going to look like revival's breaking out, but what it really is is a church that's been awakened to the Great Commission. Would you stay into your feet? And would you close your eyes all over this house? Right now, I want you to see it. I want you to see your world. Not, not the world. I want you to see your world. Where you, where you work out, where you grocery shop, where, where, where you live, your family, um, where you put your feet every day. I want you to see it all over this house. And I want you just to begin uh, to pray, Holy Spirit, Right now, I want to live my life. I want to be so aware of my surroundings. I want to be so aware of situations. I want to be so intentional. I, 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 want, to, I want to be so incredibly kind. Let that be said of people in this church. They're not the smartest people. Man, they, 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 don't, they, don't, they don't have it all going on together all the time. They figured it all out. No, no, that's, not, that, that's, that's great, right? That's great to have that. They're not the most successful people. That's, that's, that's not what God's looking for. This church is incredibly kind. You know before you even talk to them that they love you. You, 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 you can feel their acceptance. You can see their joy. You, you can experience their patience. God, would you do this in our lives? Would it be unmistakable when you're around people in this church? There's something different about them. There's a whole lot of people that go to church and they are no different than anybody else. Let that not be said of this church. When somebody from this church moves into a neighborhood, when a kid comes into a classroom, God, when, 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 when we join something in our community, when we eat at a restaurant, God, everywhere we set our feet, Father, people see you. They see you. They, they, they understand more of you, even before they hear your name. This man didn't even know who Jesus was, and he experienced change. Even before they know the depths of the gospel and the weight of their sin, they experience the grace and the kindness and the patience of God displayed through our lives. Lord, would you do that? Would you, would you do that in this room? Uh, maybe you're in this place, and we talked about kindness a lot. Um, the Bible says it's God's kindness that leads to repentance. I love that. Let me just give you a reality. No matter where you're at, your head's bowed and your eyes are closed, and you don't have a relationship with God, here's the honest truth. Um, you've messed up. You, you've fallen short. You, 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 you bring into this place a whole lot of baggage, a whole lot of um, shame. And God is righteous and perfect. And so if he wanted to, um, he could have, because of that righteousness and because of that holiness, he could have wiped his hands of your life. He could have said, you know what? I don't want anything to do with you. And that would have been his rightful spot. I mean, that's, that's, we've run, we've rebelled, we've said no. He could have said, okay, never mind. But the Bible says that while we were still sinners in that situation, that Jesus Christ was sent to this earth to down a cross for our sins. That he carried the shame and the weight and the penalty of your sin in his body on that cross. The Bible says that he was placed in a tomb and on the third day he rose in power and he defeated both death, sin, and hell. He paid your price in full so that God could have washed his hands of you and instead he gave up his body for you. He shed his blood for you. And he loves you. And the Bible says that it's his kindness right now. And what's kindness? You're in this place and he continues to knock at the door of your heart. Some of you have been here before and you said no and he's continued to pursue you. Some of you haven't been to church for years and you've walked away and tried to do it on your own and he's continued to pursue you. Some of you come into this place and week after week you play religion. 
and you fake it and you think nobody can see it and he sees it and he still pursues you. Some of you carry around hidden shame and hidden sin and in that, he still pursues you. If your heart's still beating, it's God's kindness that wants to lead you to repentance. And that God's here right now. The Bible says if you would call on him, if you would repent, repentance means um, I'm going to turn my life away from who I am right now, a sinner, and I'm going to turn my life towards the grace of God. I'm going to give him who I am. I'm going to ask him to come in and wash me clean. That's repentance. And I'm never going to go back to that way of life. God's not saving you because you're perfect. God's saving you because he's filled with perfect love and he's here right now. That's the kindness of God that leads us towards repentance. And the Bible says when you say yes to that, when you confess and you believe that you'll say yes, that Jesus will come into your life and he'll begin to move, heal. He'll give you purpose. He'll give you joy. He'll give you a peace that surpasses all understanding. That's the grace of God and the gift of God. The gift of God, that's the gospel of Jesus. Maybe you're in this place, you don't know him. You're here today. You've never been to church before. You don't know Jesus. Maybe you've been to church years ago, but you don't have a a life-giving, changing uh, you relationship with Jesus Christ. But you say, today is my day. I want to pray with you as we close. Every head bowed, every eye closed. I don't know Jesus Christ, but I need to. In Montgomeryville, I don't know Jesus Christ, but I need to. It's God's kindness that's leading you towards repentance right now. I want to pray with you as we close. Uh, Whether you've been here for years. It's your first time here. I don't know Jesus, but I need to. I don't know everything about this, but I know I need Jesus Christ right now. He's knocking at the door of my heart. I want to say yes to him. If that's you all over this place, I want to pray with you as we close. I want you to do me a favor. Nobody's looking around. I need Jesus Christ to be my Lord and Savior. Would you just shoot your hand straight towards heaven and say, hey, that's me, Pastor. I don't know Jesus. I need him to heal me. I need him to forgive me. I see a hand right here. Is there anybody else? I need him to forgive me. I need him to set me free. Jesus Christ, I want you to be my Lord and my Savior. All over this place, um, as people respond, maybe in Montgomeryville too, all over, would you just repeat this prayer after me, something like this, say, Jesus Christ, today I give you my life. From this day forward, I'm gonna follow you. I know you died for me, and I know you rose for me, so now I'm gonna live for you. Jesus, you can have every part of who I am, From this day forward, I'm going to follow you. Lord, I pray right now that you would do something specifically in this service. Lord, I I can, uh, sometimes the Holy Spirit gives you a feeling. Here's what I truly know about about our our church and ourselves. Lord, sometimes uh, there can be a spirit of apathy um, in church. I've heard this before. I know what I'm supposed to do. Uh, But Lord, would you you do something? Lord, there's nothing worse than having the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ in our lives and never sharing it with anybody. There's nothing that seems so wrong in that. To to know the truth that sets us free and and to not ever take the opportunity to share that truth. And Lord, sometimes it's just because the spirit of apathy, we've known it for so long and we're around people and they seem so normal and it seems so weird to say everybody's a sinner and everybody falls short of the glory of God, but Lord, would you just awaken something specifically in this service, maybe even in this room, 
Would you, would you awaken something in the people of, of, of this church right now where you would just, it would be almost impossible for us to go back into our normal everyday life and, and treat this as normal. Lord, this is not normal. What we have the opportunity to live in, what we have the opportunity to experience the grace of God is not normal. We're not going to take it for granted. Uh, we're not going to overlook it. Lord, we're going to have outside eyes, Lord. And I thank you in advance uh, for those of us who are beginning to move in what Scripture calls us to moving. And Lord, we, we're going to see you do incredible things through our lives, through this church. Lord, we thank you for that. We thank you for all that you've done. We also thank you, Lord, uh, for a church where we get to teach our kids that it's fun to come to church. Thank you, Lord, for a church that's generous so that we can give lots of candy away. Uh, thank you, Lord, that they're, not only are they, are they having a good time here, but many of those kids over there, they're going to have a God experience today. There's going to be kids that meet you and their life is changed forever because of this silly event called Greet and Treat. Lord, thank you for all that you've done here today. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Hey, one more time, would you shout amen? Thank you for taking a few minutes out of your day to listen to our podcast. If you decided to give your life to Jesus after hearing this message or want to learn more about how you can join us in person, visit jrny.church for more resources or to find a location near you. Have a great rest of your day.